You're listening to The Extra Podcast, a podcast produced by Northview Community Church. Each episode, we discuss a current event, a theological or cultural topic, and we answer a listener's question. We take our faith seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously, so we invite you to laugh with us or at us, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Ezra, Thalia, Jeff, and myself, Greg, are going to be talking about famous conversions in Kanye West, famous deconversions in Joshua Harris, and we'll be talking about the mental health challenges people face in our culture. If you want to learn more about Northview, go to northview.org. If you have a question you want us to answer in an upcoming episode, email extra at northview.org. Well, it's good to be back and have uh, some conversations together. We're going to talk about three things. Uh, The first one I wanted to talk about is a current event with Kanye West. So you three around the table here and Josh, uh, our producer, you guys strike me as big Kanye West fans. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm a big Kanye West fan. Jeff, you've heard some of his songs on the radio. No, I've not heard a single Kanye West song ever. Although you guys think that I have. Yeah. Yeah. You for sure have. For sure. Yeah. No, I'm more into 50 Cent. Yeah. That's oh, that was oh early two thousands. That's good. Oh <laughs> Here's why I think bringing up Kanye West is a worthwhile conversation. So he has a upcoming album that, as of today of the day of recording, this is October first that we're recording this on. Uh, it has supposed to have been out, but it hasn't yet come out according to the time we've. Uh, Greg, I think started. the proper term is dropped. It has not dropped. Yes, but you're what, welcome. What has what is uh, worth bringing up in the conversation about Kanye is that he has had a fairly public, uh, apparent, come to Jesus moment in his life. Yeah. There, there's been a this next album that is coming out is called Jesus Is King. It is the first album that he's going to produce that has zero swear words, apparently, so no cussing in it. And the content of the album is uh, presumably almost entirely about the gospel, about who Jesus is, about his own, uh, Kanye's own conversion to Jesus moment. So this brings up a few questions for me. Can I ask a question before this starts? Of course. Um, I mean, we have started, but... No, before we get into the guts of it, uh, first of all... I am 47-year-old white man, Yeah, therefore an expert in all things Kanye Art. West and hip-hop. Yes. <laughs> therefore, therefore, the second question I have, thats I'm just prefacing my okay. question with I that. I got you. Yep. This fact that I'm a 47-year-old white man, though, means that I am totally connected with uh, Christian bookstore culture. Mm. And yes. I'm going to ask the question, does this now mean that Kanye West's stuff is going to be sold at the few remaining Christian bookstores around? The right? new album? Probably. Because now it's now it's considered Christian. Do people still buy CDs? Mm. Oh, yeah. They yeah. do at Christian bookstores. Yep. <laughs> they do okay. at Christian bookstores. <laughs> yep. Sorry to the CD purchasers out there. And of course, there'll be a biography to go with it. There, of course. But there can't be a lot of overlap between CD purchasers and podcast listeners, right? It's got well, we're like putting that... we're going to put this out on a series of CDs. <laughs> <laughs> that Venn diagram. Okay, is so real anyway, narrow. anyway, uh, the question you ask yes. though. So the reason I'm bringing this up is this is a very public conversion. So how are we as uh, you know just observers of the culture around us supposed to? deal with, engage with the idea of these, these public conversion stories. Thalia, what's, what's the first 
What's your first gut reaction when you hear about someone who is famous like a Kanye West, who is coming to Jesus moment being publicized all over the place? What, what's your gut reaction? So you could go the really cynical route. Which Jeff would side with. Or what? Could, no, it's not true at all. <laughs> or you could go the really advocate the other one. <laughs> or you could go with the really rah rah moment. You could say, "Woohoo! He's a Christian. Everybody should be a Christian like Kanye West. He's a great spokesperson for us. It's awesome." Or you go the cynical route and say, "Well, let's wait till tomorrow because I don't think it'll last. Maybe this is just to get publicity, get listeners. Like, eh." So that's probably the two that I'd go with. I tend to think that the people that we should uh, believe the best. We we celebrate every Christian conversion. Like if somebody came up to me, I remember a kid, it, I was preaching at a church years and years ago, and this uh, this kid came up afterwards and said, yeah, I just became a Christian last week. Mm. And there was like six or seven people around him like, yeah, isn't that cool? And they were all really excited. And yeah. I, I said to him, that is that is great. Uh, keep walking with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Right, and so I—I I mean, I had a friend who was with me who said, "Why didn't? Why weren't you more excited about that? Isn't that the the thing? You know, get people in the door." And I—I I told him, "You know, I'm—I am thrilled. I'm thrilled to hear that this person is. I just know, you know, the Bible is filled with warnings for those who start but don't finish the race. And so, as a result, you know, I—I uh, I even know of several passages where the apostles come back, or you know, like Paul and Barnabas come back to a a region after planting the church there, and they visit, and their word to that church when they leave is. You know, continue because it's through many persecutions or many sufferings that we enter the kingdom of God. So he's saying this to people who are actually supposedly already Christians, and yet he's his word of word of encouragement to them is persevere, keep going. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is the kind of if that's cynical, as Thalia accused me of. <laughs> That's the thing that sticks in the back of your mind, and yet at the same time, you're told everybody starts somewhere. So I, you when I hear about Conway, Kanye West, and I have heard 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 about it, and he's had some you know, John Tyson, I think, um, a pastor in New York. To he he shared the gospel at one of his conf- concerts, and I yeah, think this so, is all really cool. All so of this is excellent. Kanye, these past few what Josh months, I'm looking at yeah. Josh because he's probably our most culturally attuned person in the room. The <laughs> what last, about me? The last <laughs> no, few, sorry, Ezra, sorry. The, the last few months, Kanye's been holding these concerts called Sunday Service, where <laughs> where there, uh, it's a lot of of basically singing Christian-y kind of music. It's, it's half concert, part uh, participation. A lot of it is just by private invitation only. So kind of like a who's who's of celebrities have gone to these things. But at one of these Sunday services, he invited a, a New York pastor from New York, John yeah, Tyson. Yeah, he's Trinity Grace Church, I think, at New York, and, if it's John Tyson. Right? And, and uh, Tyson just kind of went up there and preached like a 10-minute gospel presentation at one of these Sunday services. So there are these little pieces in the story that makes it seem not like just merely a publicity stunt, but like this could actually be a genuine coming to Jesus Which moment. we all cheer for and mm-hmm. think is awesome. I, I mean, obviously, we all think it's fantastic. So I, I mean, I think, I think it's... Um, <clears throat> the gospel has power to penetrate any heart. And to transform anyone. So even someone who has in the past made some obnoxious uh, acts and uh, sung... Sacrilegious stuff. Yeah. You know, at points, you know, easy. uh, Yeah. Right. And so they they interact with the gospel, and then the Lord has this massive work in his heart. I think, Jeff, you and I, and I think it was Daryl Kropp, Steve Weens was with us. We went to Saddleback Church one Mm. time. 
and we're doing a tour in uh, in in the um, in Southern California, just visiting the other churches. So we go to Saddleback for a Saturday night service. So there we are seated, and then it was worship time. And then this black, tall, tall, like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy comes, and he's the worship leader. And I look at Jeff, and I say, that's Montel Jordan. And Jeff this is like, is who is that? So, so the, song, the song, This Is How We Do It, This Is How We Do It, <laughs> yeah. the person who sang that song is leading worship at Saddleback. I'm like, this man sang the filthiest songs, <laughs> and now he's leading worship here? And I was just so taken aback. And then after the service, he was at the back, and he had um, he had his little he was at a little booth. He right. and his wife, and right. there was nobody talking to him. No one's talking you know, to him. It's a bunch of like, older white people yes. walking. And by. I'm like, do you guys know who this man is? <laughs> so I go ahead and shake his hand, and I asked him, "Dude, you're a Christian. <laughs> I used to like watch your videos when I was young, when I was a little part. Like you're Christian." Then he says, "Yeah, man, I, Jesus got a hold of my life. Wow. Yeah, and he transformed me." So. Uh, and and Montel was a big deal. Yeah. Big deal. That's a nice awesome. deal. Was oh, yeah. he the one who so had the he, talk show called he, Montel? He no, 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 no. Different no. guy. This different a different guy. Big, yeah, but, yeah, but big hip hop. Oh, right, huge, yeah. huge R and B singer. Uh, back in his day, these, the, I mean, there's another, there's another group called uh, TLC. Yeah, they were used to sing like filthy songs, and one of the uh, they the ones girl, that don't go changing one. No, that's uh, uh, a girl. Yeah, that one. No. Nah. I mean, Is that, so am I right? T- I'm TLC. So three, three, three uh, girls. One of them became a Christian, and I think the band folded shortly after that. And so she she did a tour, just sharing the gospel and sharing her testimony and things like that. And I think, in many cases, we assume that once a celebrity becomes a Christian, and of course they have a big stage, big pop, mm-hmm. so we think, oh, they'll be good theologians, mm-hmm. and we forget, no, they're actually still baby Christians. Yeah, no baby Christians. They, they, don't, know the, they, they don't yeah. know the gospel yet. They're trying no. to figure it out and put to death the deeds yeah. of their flesh. So in many ways, the unfortunate thing is they, they, they are so public. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so their little missteps or whatever. And that's be, one of the so challenges for profound. them in coming to faith in Christ is that they're ki- they're, the conversion is happening kind of in a public realm because, mm-hmm. you know, the paparazzi yeah. are following them all over the place and want to broadcast this mm-hmm. stuff. And they're cynical people. And like any mistake they make now... Mm-hmm. Any kind of sinful error that they yeah. make yeah. is now going to be broadcast. Oh, you're not a Christian, you're fake, or whatever. Right. When I think to myself, oh my goodness, how many of us, when we first came right. to faith in Christ, were living holy lives? Even now, how many of us are living, you know, pure holy lives that we, if somebody followed us right. around all the time and took right. pictures, they wouldn't catch something that was, you know, uh, you know, unholy. off color or yes. something that that was mm-hmm. unholy. Yeah, yeah. So I, my heart goes out to guys like this. I, we pray for him. Uh, and we pray for his his because there have been public uh, voices and Rice we were talking about earlier who you know who've, who've come to faith in Christ and then recanted later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our prayer is that he continues in the faith. And yeah, and I, I mean it's cool that John if, if John Tyson's the one who was speaking like then I, he's that's a great church yeah. and mm. it would be awesome if we could like if he could connect himself to that church and yeah and Snoop Dogg <laughs> Snoop Dogg released a Christian album. Yeah, and he said saying how you know like who God is to him and all that stuff, and he cr- released a Christian album. It's it's on iTunes and you can find it on on Google Play Music and all that. Yeah, so again, you'll find these artists who will say, yeah, these these are now journey toward faith, yeah. but of course they're still baby Christians, yeah. and they're going to still do crazy things like, oh dear, that's not Christian. Yeah, but then it's so public because yeah. they are celebrities. When you pray that, yeah, you pray that the process of sanctification will take effect in their lives and they'll right. right? Mm-hmm. Have the fruit of repentance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So from a, a fairly famous conversion uh, story or uh, current event, want to shift the conversation a little bit to talk about uh, a, a somewhat famous deconversion story that's come up in the last few months. Uh, and then this is going to prompt us in having some conversation about uh, what it looks like to continue on, on the faith. Um, so in July of this past, uh, just a few weeks ago now, uh, Josh Harris, who uh, we actually interviewed, Jeff, yeah, you and I, I we had a conversation with mm-hmm. Joshua Harris on the Extra Podcast probably, I don't know, two years ago, something It was more like than that, that, but yeah. Uh, he uh, was a was student a, at the time at Regent College. Yeah. So Josh's story is that he, a uh, famous author at a young age, he wrote the book, uh, I Kiss Dating, Dating Goodbye. Goodbye. And that book kind of catapulted him into mm-hmm. the celebrity Christian world of conferences yeah. and speaking and all that kind of stuff. He became a pastor at a church that he was heavily involved in. And then after, I think he was involved with the Gospel Coalition as oh, yeah. a board member mm-hmm. or a council member. And then he uh, decided to go to Regent College to pursue some seminary uh, studies. Seminary he'd, studies. Never, he'd never studied. And then... Uh, yeah. Just this past summer, he came out with a announcement. First of all, uh, on July seventeenth, with that he and his wife uh, were getting divorced, and then about nine days Am- later, amicably, I think. Yep, mm-hmm. so amicably. Just to add it to that, it was it's not a contentious divorce. Yep, and then in in about a week after that, he uh, said uh, the the information that was left out of the announcement of his. Uh, amicable divorce, is that I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. And so he essentially came out with a statement saying that he would no longer call himself a Christian. So how are we to um, understand what this what this part of his journey is in terms of this falling away moment, and then after that, I want to talk a little bit about how do we are you help asking people theologically to press on? Yeah, theologically, so, help us unpack. So Jesus tells this. a parable about uh, a sower who throws a bunch of soils of seeds on a, four different soils, right? And some of it lands on the path. And the birds of the air take it away. Some land on the rocky ground, some on what's called a thorny soil. And both of those start up quickly and then fade away because of different reasons. Uh, not enough root system in the rocky one. And and then when it gets hot, it just fades away. And then um, in, the, in the thorny soil, for competition from other weeds, right? For competition for water in the soil. And they don't mature, uh, thus bringing no joy to the farmer who threw the seed. The fourth soil is the one that, uh, it, you know, despite all of those presences of all those challenges, perseveres and continues and bears a crop. I think Jesus says it's 30, 60, 100 fold, which is crazy. I mean, that's a huge amounts of of crop. So the fruit is born. So, you know, disciples are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and Jesus explains to them that this is, this is, this is what he's talking about. He's saying that the, 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 the seed is the word of God and it's a message basically about Jesus. And it goes on into, into different hearts, different ways. When it hits people, sometimes it hits them and they totally reject it and birds of the air take it away, right? He says, this devil comes and takes it away. Uh, and then sometimes it hits them and they sprout up really quickly and get really, but they don't go deep, they don't go very deep in their faith. So then when a time of testing comes, they fade away. 
because, you know, but there is a period where they look Christian and then they fade away. And the point there is that they're, but they're not, the, the goal that the farmer has when he throws the seed is, is what? Is to, is to see a crop happen. That's why every farmer throws seed in the soil. They're not really excited if, oh, look, there's a the little guy coming through the soil there. Awesome. They're not thrilled about that. They're thrilled at the harvest. So, you know, if, if, if hail destroys their crop or if, if, the, if there's not enough, you know, if they hit, in this case, rocky ground and so it, they, the, the root system can't develop, then they're not excited about that. And the third one, similarly, if there's wheat or a bunch of tares, what they call, you know, um, weeds in the, you know, it's going to suck all the, all the moisture out of the ground, and they're not excited about that either because it didn't <clears throat> yield the crop. But the fourth one's the, the one he's excited about. So this, I, I, this is exactly the way we should understand this subject. It's probably one of the best passages in Scripture. It's repeated lots of the other places about the doctrine of perseverance, but this is Jesus basically saying, look, there's going to be some people around who look, look the real thing, but time will tell whether or not they actually are the real thing. Uh, and unfortunately, unless Josh... Uh, Joshua repents. He is an example of one of those middle two uh, soils. I don't know if it was because the the way that Jesus phrases it, right? He says the the what did he say? Life's worries, riches, and pleasures yeah. are the competing uh, values. It sounds a little bit like that. It might be because of perseverance, and he just doesn't like being looked down upon because uh, he has Christian viewpoints. He said some things in his letter that made it sound like that, but either way. That he he was clearly something for a while, and then and then he and then he fell away. And there's no there's no um, hope actually given in scripture for somebody like this. And we could debate about whether did he lose his salvation or did he never have it. But that's for another time. The point is that the scriptures give no affirmation for somebody in this particular state. Um, and so it's very it's super sad. But that theologically, that's how we should probably frame our understanding of it. One of the other aspects with this is that it's very scary for the rest of us because many people have come into my office and they think if someone like Joshua Harris can recant his faith, what about my loved ones? What about my spouse, my kids, my friends? Me. And so it sets up this emotional... That should be the response. Yeah, it should be this me. emotional uh, like scariness and this wobbliness that comes out. People are like, oh my goodness, how do we help our friends and our loved ones and our, well, ourselves, like you said, to stay in the faith? You know, that's a just as an aside, that is a really important um, effect, though, of this, and it's one that's desired. Right? The, the Apostle Paul in first, I think it's First Corinthians ten, he he said he talks about the the people of Israel and how they fell away when they were told to go into the Promised Land, and they and they didn't hear the people. He says actually were baptized into Moses. They went through the Red Sea. You know, were saved by God, and they ate some spiritual food and drink in the you know the the manna in the wilderness and the water from the rock. So he's trying to basically say there that, look, they're basically just as Christian as you guys are. You guys are saved, and now you celebrate the communion and the Lord, you know, the Lord's Supper, sorry, and and, uh, and, 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 and you have all of this, the signs, baptism, Lord's Supper, of being a, a outward, outwardly as a Christian, but he warns them and says, learn the lesson, because these things were written down for you for your, <clears throat> as, an, as an example to you, that you don't follow away as they did. Mm-hmm. So... Thaley, what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is that so when we see something like this happens, there is a kind of take heed lest you fall mm-hmm. that should go on in our hearts. Because mm-hmm. you say, if, look, if Josh Harris can, can fall away from the faith, so can I. Yeah. So can my kids, so can everybody else. And it does press the question that you're asking, okay, if it's a real a possibility, then 
what kinds of things should we be doing to try to encourage faith? Well, the problem, too, in the Fraser Valley is that a lot of people will claim the title of Christian, and they won't actually publicly say, I'm not a Christian anymore. They just really won't show up to church. They won't read their Bible. They won't pray. They won't go to Bible study. They won't just kind of fade away yeah, somewhere. Yeah, just drift away. And they'll just still claim the title of Christian. So mm. a lot of people hold on to the hope that their loved ones are still Christians. They're just not present at anywhere that would show that they have faith, yeah. which can sometimes be even more unsettling. You know, with Joshua Harris, he's made a clear statement. But if people mm. in our lives haven't made a clear statement, they've just kind of faded somewhere, that's mm. really hard to deal with. You see, uh, when I th- when I think about situations like these, the image that comes to mind is, you know, when you're on a plane and you're flying somewhere, before you take off, the, uh, the, the, the stewards and stewardesses will be giving you the rules of, hey, you know, if this <laughs> happens, this is the exit, this is whatever. And they'll always say... You know, in the in case in case of the cabin pressure going down, there'll be these things that come down. You need to put the mask on your face first yeah. before you can now help the person beside you. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I would I would encourage people first to ask themselves a question when they when they hear about Joshua Harris or others like him. Ask yourself the question: Okay, how are you mm-hmm. in your walk with Christ? Are you engaging? Are you are you facing Christ? Are you, yeah. are you are you are you striving to 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 live a life of repentance and seeking after God as best as you can? So that sounds like I get saved by my works, Ezra. No, no, no. So, and, and what I'm saying here is this: Are you are you striving in the sense that um, is there a love and affection for God in your heart, or or are you are you wandering away? Yeah. Are you are you engaged or are you disengaged? Would be the first question. I'd, I'd, I'd want people to be asking themselves. Now we know that you're not saved by works. Absolutely. So, so not. when you say engaged, though, mm-hmm. y- you mean what I mean is, uh, are you are you are you engaged in the in the, in the church in in terms of so are I'm you, saved are by you, going to church? No. Are you are you going to church? <laughs> and do here you, they do go. <laughs> do you have an affection for God or not? Yeah. Like what's what's the what the sta- what is the status of your relationship with God? Yeah. That's that's the first question. What's the status of, you so, know, of your relationship with God? So now, one of the big questions that people raise in this is, okay, mm-hmm. but how do I how do I how do I know mm-hmm. that I am a Christian? Then how do you know that you're a Christian? Yeah, and the, so I'm the, so I think it's really helpful to mm-hmm. to list out. By the way, if you're ever interested, like the best book ever written on this subject is uh, Jonathan Edwards' Re- Religious Affections, but mm-hmm. it's very hard to read. <laughs> uh, there's a book called Signs of the Spirit by. Um, by Sam Storms, that's kind of a restatement of it. So if you're ever interested in reading something like that, it, it's mm-hmm. very helpful. But the question mm-hmm. is, how do I know mm-hmm. that I'm a Christian? I'll give you a few things that I think need to be evident. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think that you need to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal salvation alone. Okay? Christ alone. And by that I mean there you have no other hope in life and in death but Christ and his, his, him paying a price for you. So do you believe that? Because basically, our our faith, our sorry, our salvation is based upon the grace of God and our expression, our response to that grace of God in faith. Right. So the so whenever somebody comes to me and says, "Oh, I don't know if I'm a Christian," I don't know if I always ask them the question you would ask somebody at their baptism: Do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, mm-hmm. for your eternal salvation? They say yes, and I'd say, "Well, I baptize you in the name, you know, based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. So. We are not saved by our works, by our keeping any law. We are not saved by any of that. We're saved by the by by Christ, and ultimately, our confidence comes in in, in the promise that Jesus said He would keep those who He who are His. 
Yeah, so we could say then. So, so ultimately, we need to start by saying the first place that you need to, to look to is, do you, do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? I would then say the second thing, though, is that you have to, that, that is there fruit now of that profession in your life? Like, is there repenting going on? By that, I mean you're turning away from your old manner of life and turning to the new. Same thing with, like, when we talk about uh, Kanye West. Ultimately, the proof is going to be in the pudding about whether or not he wants to persist in in turning away from his old manner of life, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then, finally, I would say, so, so I've often said this before, right? So faith is, genuine faith is practiced, or sorry, is professed, it's practiced, and then it's persevering, ultimately, and that, are you continuing in that, in that way? If you say no to any one of those, well, my faith's not professed, if my faith's not practiced, or my faith is not, is not persevering, I would say that there's a big question mark over your head about whether or not you're a genuine Christian, and you ought to be looking right mm-hmm. toward that. Yeah, but that's and exactly that's the that's what I'm saying. Like at the very beginning, when you hear about someone like Joshua Harris or others like them falling away, the big question: Okay, so how are you? So and then you begin by the questions you've asked. Okay, so um, do What's you believe my, in Jesus? Yeah, my profession. Yeah, and 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 practice practice that comes and then from the profession. Are you, and I'm doing in my profession exactly. And yeah, right. So. The, that's the, the, the that's kind of the framework or the standard that we'd say. And if you're not continuing those things, we'd say that you're in danger, mm-hmm. right? And there is a you're right, failure. A lot of people the challenge that Ezra's pointing out though is so easily say, mm, "Look at Greg's life over there; it doesn't look so good." <laughs> right. When the truth is, you should be looking at, at your at yourself and take the example mm-hmm. of those who've fallen away ahead of us. Uh, deeply sad. Actually, is this the worst thing that has ever happened in any of my ministry? Is seeing friends and yeah. and coworkers and yeah. others who've actually fallen away from the faith. It Let actually breaks my heart. Let me just ask a follow up question. Now, there be those who are listening who are having some doubts mm. about certain things that the scriptures will say, but then they look at say scientific discoveries or things like that, and then they question. Okay, the Christian faith doesn't seem to have a solid answer to some of the questions that that we are facing. If anything, it seems like science is right and the Christian or, or, or culture is right and the Christian way of thinking is wrong. Mm-hmm. So for people who are struggling, they still believe in Jesus, but they don't know if they believe the, the whole Bible. How would we respond to this? Are, are these people, should they be concerned that, hey, you know what, eventually they'll become like Joshua Harris? Dude, you just opened a massive... How much do you have to believe in order to to be saved? Because there'll be people like, who and, are thinking this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's a very difficult. I mean, it's a very big discussion. Yeah. Um, I, I often say people are in process. So let yeah, me absolutely. start the faith, and then yeah. you. There's a bunch of things that you shouldn't yeah. deny. Right. Mm-hmm. Let me try to reframe Ezzy's question to get to a point. Maybe this is the one you're trying to make, or maybe mm-hmm. I'm just making it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what What is the role, or uh, how does doubt about Christianity factor into the life of a believer? Yeah. Yes. I, uh, Good I, question. I yeah. believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. That's from uh, the scriptures. The gospels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. about a guy who de- deeply wants to believe that Jesus is able to do what he says he's able to do, but recognizes mm-hmm. in himself uh, this tendency toward unbelief. What's that song that we sing? Uh, prone to wander, Lord, mm-hmm. I feel it. Prone mm-hmm. to leave the God I love. Take, take my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. 
So that, yeah, there's a, there's this weird mixture that goes on where you're on the one hand thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm confident. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm like I'm a skeptic. Jeff Buckton, I'm like in my heart, I'm a skeptic. You don't know how many times I pray, Lord, please let this all be true. Mm. <laughs> like, which is so funny that I'm praying, <laughs> praying that right. But I, it's because I'm a skeptic, and because everybody around me, you know, the the smarty smarts in the in the world are looking at me and thinking, "You're such an idiot and a fool for believing that 2,000 years ago a guy rose from the dead, and that that has any bearing on you today at all." And so, yeah, there there is doubt is not something that we should be uh, scared of. Unbelief is. Does that? Do you understand what I'm saying? I think mm-hmm. there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Unbelief is a stated. Um, so- conviction that this isn't true. So in our church, though, and in our area, there's often a culture of particularly parents not wanting to allow their kids to express doubts and questions because they think that that calls into question a person's faith. And I think that does a lot of damage. I think I'd rather tell people, like, wrestle with trusted Christians in the church, wrestle with the scriptures, be in a good Bible study, bring your questions. We have a big God. Like, you know, we don't need to be afraid of people the asking questions. The most impactful Christians in the history of the church have been people who have struggled with doubts on significant levels. Yeah. I mean, if you just want to read about Augustine and his his background or several others, I'm just telling you that some of the greatest missionaries are people who who for years did not either did not believe or struggled with the belief that they had and had to chase down things. I wouldn't be I know I wouldn't be preaching the gospel today if I was not troubled by doubts that su- such that I had to chase them down and come to some conviction about them. So it's not necessarily, I mean, like I said, doubt is not the challenge. Unbelief is the challenge. It's when you come to a stated conviction that, no, I don't believe anymore. I don't, I, this isn't, you know, you're always going to be in mixtures of, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. So Thalia, help us with a few uh, practical ways that we've talked about, you know, the profession of faith, the the, pers- the persistence in it, the practice mm-hmm. of it. Give us some some practical tools for us as listeners of of what it looks like to, to practice the faith. You have this conversation mm-hmm. with people all the like time. all the time. Mm-hmm. We're in the we're in the room with you. Help us, Pastor yeah. Thalia. Well, I'm always so thankful when people actually speak up and they I'm struggling with this, that, or the other thing. I'm struggling with faith questions. I'm struggling with anxiety, with depression, with relationship troubles. Like speak up because we cannot help what we don't know about. Like secrets are poisonous. So speak up. We've got lots of people in our church, trusted Christian people, counselors, pastors, people who are, you know, community group leaders, youth leaders that will take time and talk with you. And we have lots of resources, you know, articles, websites, podcasts like this. We have books, we have conferences, retreats where people can get the help they need or get the resources that they need. Mm. So come and talk with us. Mm. It's not a bother. It's not a, you're not pestering us. We'll make time for you. Maybe not tomorrow, but next week. <laughs> Depending on when they're listening to this, though, it could That's be true. tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Right? You don't That's know. It's a bit terrifying <laughs> sometimes. Okay, uh, well, we're going to transition to the our third topic for this episode. Uh, we, we got a few questions in from people, which, by the way, if you have a question you want answered on the podcast, email extra at northview.org. Uh, we had a few questions surrounding the, the topic of mental health. Uh, there are reasons both in our local context uh, and also just more broadly culturally, uh, the, the prevalence of mental health issues, the, um, the, the devastating effects that a lot of them can, can play in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. So how can we help our listeners who are um, in the midst of their own mental health struggles uh, 
to to work through them. So maybe Thalia, can you can you start this answering kind of the, these series of questions around mental health about how would you unpack uh, if someone says what, what even is like a mental health or a mental illness, and yeah. then and then how do we get the ball going in the conversation from there? I think our listeners might be surprised to learn that anxiety and depression are would be in the top three reasons that people come to meet with us in the care department. And anxiety would be over every issue that comes in the door. Anxiety around finances and their jobs and their relationships, their marriages, their kids. They're worried about everything. And then added to that, you know, mental health is being spoken about. So people are willing to raise it and they're coming into our offices hesitantly saying, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I struggle with whatever. It's like, it's great. Like, let's talk about it. Mm. And let's the, t- the talking about it is <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And so we encourage people mm. to get the help they need. Mm. You know, it's we can go to doctors and get a physical checkup. Because sometimes I've actually had people I've met with that it, they say that they're depressed. I'm like, great, let's go to the doctor. They go to the doctor and they find out it's a, actually an iron deficiency. So as soon as they get some help with our, their iron, the depression goes away. So there might be a physical cause for some of these things that mm. we call mental health challenges. It might just be a physical issue. So get checked out by the doctor. Come meet with us in the church. We have lots of resources to connect you with. Like you're so normal at Northview. Like mm. you're welcome here. I don't want you to actually, well, except for Jeff, but I don't actually want you to go through the church and tell everybody all your stuff because not everybody's <laughs> trustworthy, which Jeff can. And it was helpful that you did that a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Because people say, hey, Jeff talked about depression, so Thanks maybe that, I'm not Philly. weird. You're welcome. <laughs> That's why she's our pastor of care. Uh-huh. It's that kind of tact. That was, that was she okay. cares. That was okay. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what, so you're saying don't just blab it around everywhere. No. What, what, why would you So when I, I tell people, like women, when I get them plugged into community groups and Bible studies, I say, like, don't tell everybody all of your muck because... Mm you don't actually know yet if they're trustworthy. And lots of people have full plates and they can't handle all your stuff. You can say, generally, I'm struggling with a few things physically or mentally or in my relationships, and can we pray? Like, prayer is an Mm -hmm. awesome resource. Mm -hmm. Elders pray, and we've got online prayer, and we've got volunteers that will pray with you at every service. Like, let's get the resources that you need, and then let's just start to work through it. But you're very welcome here with all of your stuff. Mm. As you have you, you've been in pastoral ministry a long time. Yeah. How have you walked people through? Uh, maybe it's them. Maybe it's a loved one dealing with these issues. How how do you walk people through these these really difficult moments of mental health? I mean, challenges. It, again, each situation is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first step would be just uh, getting people to accept that this is this is their reality. This yeah. is where they are at, and and that step is usually very difficult because the moment you uh, for you to come to that realization that this is actually what my problem is then of course the next step would be okay now how are you going to get help for it mm-hmm. right and it's the same way Thelio was saying you know uh, calling people and asking them hey have you gone to see your doctor just go and see your doctor get professional help get mm-hmm. medical help mm-hmm. get checked out mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's uh, moving people to a place of acceptance and um, the reason people struggle with accepting that this is the, their current reality in the moment is because they're wondering, why is God allowing this to happen mm-hmm. to me? Why hasn't he taken yeah. it away? Why is God not taking it I've away? Prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed, it should right. be gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and, and it seems like God doesn't, 
the more I pray, the worse it gets. And, and people don't realize that day to day, all of us as humans have a certain level of anxiety that we deal with on an ongoing basis. Right. Like you get in a car and you're worried that you're going to get into an accident or your kid is or your friend. And so there's, and you worry about your job and your finances, getting your to-do list done and on and on and on. We have a regular level of anxiety, every single right. one of us, every single day. But there's a crippling level of anxiety that we yes. probably need to get some help for. Uh, right. And I think, and, and there, therein lies the issue. When, when, when someone comes in and they, they are so worried, they are unable to, to move or yeah. to respond to the day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's just getting people to recognize, you know, there is an issue here. Um, is there a way? Yes, we can pray with you, come to the elders. They would love to anoint you with oil and pray for you. But at the same time, you begin to seek help. Yeah. Again, moving people there is, is it can be, can be a difficult thing to do. The other thing as well I would say is, uh, I agree with you, Thalia. You don't need to bullhorn your problems to the whole world. However, I think... Um, have a small community yeah. of people who love you, mm-hmm. a small community of people who will care for you and look out for you. So um, they, uh, this, these are the individuals who can, you can say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this or I'm just having difficulty with this. Could you please pray with me or support me and my spouse or whatever? Yeah. Uh, because uh, I find that a lot of people suffer privately yeah, and I wonder okay so why why this, why is this closet suffering yeah. what is this all about because well partly that's being so disconnected so many people move to a new city and they don't have any family and friends around and they're new to a church and they don't know where to plug in mm. so for a while they're very disconnected and as we can get people connected into small groups and developing community then you can start to raise some of your issues more and more as you trust them but Thaley I also think it's not just people who have just moved in there are people who've been here a while mm-hmm. but they're going through some difficult challenges and they are in community but they've told nobody yeah. anything yeah and part of that is that mask we wear we're supposed to look good and have it all together but see, and the problem we can't is, reveal what's yeah, going on but with the mask then it's kind of like okay now what if the cat gets out of the bag yeah like what if yeah. what if people know now, now now what and so that also raises the mm-hmm. the, the anxiety level so it's the idea here would be uh, live in community. Just have two, three, four people mm-hmm. who are around you, who who love you, who care about you, but who know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So what's the line between, because I, I have some words rattling around in my head mm-hmm. where Jesus says, do not worry. Yeah. It's a command. Mm-hmm. So what's the line between the sin of worry that we're told to not do, or is, mm-hmm. that might be putting it too strongly. You guys can nuance that if you want. Mm-hmm. And struggling with things like anxiety. Mm-hmm. How, how would you navigate that kind of path on the rocky mountain? So I would say, Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but instead, through mm-hmm. by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, right? And First Thessalonians talks about praying continually. So yes, the ideal would be that we are not worried and anxious about anything, but we are. So then we pray. We ask for God's help continually. But all of those things are sin. Yeah. 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 Worry is sin. Anxiety is sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But why, to, why would we not, say that way, it's that's not, that's not me attacking anybody. I'm I, like I deal with the issue, but it is. Yeah. It's, so why why would we say that it is though? What it's a sin? Yeah. It's a sin of control. You're essentially you're trying to put yourself in the feet of in the place of God. That you 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 want the world to operate the way that you think it should operate, and you can't trust anybody else to make it so. So yeah, it's a lack of be... su- it's a lack of submission yeah. to the Almighty. And so you're not you're not God. I'm not God. And, you know, uh, true hearts that love him will ultimately want to submit to his authority and recognize that, you know, I'm in this lane and he's in that lane and I'm not going to try to do his Mm -hmm. stuff. 
but partly that's recognizing too. I agree with you that we are sinful every day, and part of that is the oh, worry yeah. and the anxiety that takes over our life. So yeah. we pray, and so we let others know, and we get professionals involved because we are trying to battle that every mm. hour of every day yeah. for the rest of and our some lives. Some people, the, the thing, so nuance. What I'm saying, on the one hand, uh, you know, somebody who deals with depression, depression sin, <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the okay, you say, well, but isn't it isn't it sometimes you know uh, medically. Chemical imbalance. Chemical imbalance, yeah. yes. But I'd say that the chemical imbalance is a result of sin in the world and sin in my body and th- things, not how it ought to be, mm. right? And so right. I'm I'm messed up, just like everybody. This is a concept that people need to realize, is that sin has worked its, its dismagic through our entire beings. So... We are. We struggle with things physically. We struggle with. We're all whole beings. So mm-hmm. you know, body, soul, and spirit. So like, I, the, it, my immaterial side is, is is affected by sin. My material, so my physical side is affected by sin. There's all sorts. You know, that's yeah. Your mind all, is affected by sin. There's all sorts of things. Yep. So as a result, sometimes uh, in God's good kindness, uh, it's common grace. He's provided us medication that will help along these lines to try to overcome some of the effects of sin. I mean, I I can equate something like that to the, you know, the epidural for women. You know, the Bible says that as a result of the woman's sin that you'll have pain in childbearing. Well, the epidural takes some of it away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So medi- modern medicine and technology can actually help, and that's God, it's a kindness from God to help yeah. in that regard. But it doesn't mean that it's that's still not effect uh, uh, of sin. So it, it, is, it is sinful. Um, and we pray that the Lord would have mercy on us, and because we are, we know what we know, He knows what we're made of, and it's a challenge f- for for all of us. I I have a question, mm-hmm. uh, and my question is: Why is it that in the modern world, and by modern world, my twenty first century North America and maybe Europe and stuff, there is such a uh, that this is such a problem on levels that has never been seen before. Yeah. In the history of the world, so it seems to me you can go a couple directions. That's it's becoming. It's always been a problem, but nobody ever reported it before, which I'm sure is some of it, right? Because there was sort of a culture, yeah. even now, among some older people, like that's stuff you don't talk about. Yeah, it's true. Uh, whereas yeah, among younger people, are like, no, no, I'm gonna, we talk about it. We, we talk blast about it on social media, everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it also seems like there's more more of it nowadays than, than there is. And as somebody who's... I, this is the thing that I've often tried to struggle with because I sometimes beat myself up for being like, why is this Why is this an issue? Like am I, the people who've gone before me, all the great heroes of my faith are people who just got through, got on with it. You know, a lot of them struggle, struggle with melancholy. But, you know, Spurgeon struggled with melancholy. So, <laughs> Jeff, why can't you just get on with it? Why do you have to, you know, what I don't... Why is it so debilitating for you? Whereas these other guys just got on with it. Is that should they have not gone? We should be thankful for the medications and things that we have today that perhaps Virgin didn't have. But on the other hand, I'm like, is there something culturally happening that makes it so that this is harder for us now, or what? I think Mm -hmm. I think two two responses. The first, I would say, individualism, because we in in the Western world now. I'm talking about some. uh, I'm talking from the viewpoint of someone who grew up in the third world. I would say these. There is um, accountability and community in in the West is very limited. So no one can come and tell me or question me about how I live my life. 
So I'm on my own. I, I am the king of my castle. And the, 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 the more I can do it on my own, the better I can be. This is the, the narrative you see in movies as well and things like that, where the starring is the one who does it all on his own and he wins he wins the fight or whatever the case may be. So that's the first thing. The second thing I see... How does that affect the, the first thing? How does that affect the... Because, see, now when, when people, are, uh, people are striving for success on their own, but then they realize that, okay, I'm not as good enough as I need to be. Mm. And so they figure, if, if I don't make it, then I, uh, I don't have value or worth, mm. and I suck. And that's something that people don't... So they are, they are fear, uh, afraid of failure, and therefore, and there, that, so what you're that, saying that is their expectation, them. though, for success was so out, right. out. It was way too high. It was way too high because right. you, of course you can't succeed, and you're not supposed right. to. You're supposed to. Do, you need other people. And, exactly. Okay. So that's one. Second, I would say naturalism, where again there is no life after death. It this is what is. Therefore, make hay while the sun shines. The biggest, the the the, the, the one with the most money, the biggest barns, the the greatest cars, the most beautiful. That's the person who yeah, wins. Yeah, all the existential wishes, exactly. all the things that you have, and and basically yeah. the culture is saying that that's the only meaning in life, right? right. That's what you're saying. That there's yes. no, there's nothing beyond death. Mm-hmm. So as a result, and so we believe we load this life yes. with all the promises. Yep. It's like, right, happiness, 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 yes. and you better be happy. Right. The problem is, in order to be happy, you have to have all the money you can possibly have so that you can stave off mm-hmm. starvation and difficulty mm-hmm. and have enough insurance to cover any need and have a car that never breaks down and, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 right. and. And so the, the bar is raised so high for your expectation for this life that nobody in the history of the world has been ever been able to achieve that high bar. Exactly. And so now you've got a bunch of people who are let down mm-hmm. by the prom- by the promise. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, I, I believe this is actually doing some of my stuff in my doctorate with the young adults or with, you know emerging adults and studying it. I think this is why there's it, this depression and suicide and other things is one of the chief reasons why this sort of stuff is running rampant among young people because the world that they inhabit is very different than the world that they perceived they would inhabit. Yes. Right? Yes. And they get on with life, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is not what I had thought yes. it was supposed to be. Right. And now I'm... I'm I'm a loser. Yes. In fact, there's a book that came out a number of years ago called Satisfaction Not Guaranteed. That's <laughs> basically... That's what he's saying. is that, look, all the promises that all the advertising makes... Is not helping. It is not helping young people, especially. They they feel completely let down by things, and then then disillusioned and depressed, and and that's why we need Prozac and all the, the challenges, which of course, yeah, can be a, again a good common grace from God uh, to Thalia, help us. How would you help someone who's just struggling with stuff like this, where you've bought into the culture, yeah. and you so were hoping to be the biggest, baddest, whatever, and it's not firing for mm-hmm. you. And now you're in the throes of, good Lord, I have no value or worth. I'm a loser. Yeah. So how, how, how do I get out of that hole then? You have to come visit me in the office. <laughs> <laughs> the big conversation, eh? There's normal been, one upstairs. like the psychiatrist. <laughs> well, our hour's up. You'll have to come back. Totally. <laughs> there's, uh, there's been a few things that have popped up on this podcast that might be uh, rattling around in your in your heart and your your mind that you want to talk through more. So uh, as much as we were joking about it, there are people ready and willing and happy to chat with you. If you email care at northview.org, mm-hmm. uh, they would love to follow up with you and have Absolutely. some further conversations, uh, help yeah. walk with you through whatever you may be facing. Yeah. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week.